The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I am Mike Stevens of Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News, and sitting across from me is the one and the only future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? Better, somewhat. I haven't had a panic attack today. Well, that is just terrific to hear, because yeah. last last little bit, holy smokes, can definitely not uh, can definitely not vouch for that. I um, should uh, I should turn the octopus. Uh, yeah. Back to the the that proper state of of happiness cuz it's been a decent day. <laughs> yeah, turn your fe- your feelings octopus. The feelings a, octopus uh, has been transformed. Yeah, just in case anyone doesn't know what we're referring to here, Rachel has a <laughs> a stuffed animal that is an octopus. One side like you can you can flip it inside out and one facet of it is with an angry face and the other the other side of it is with a uh, a happy face. And uh, it basically can tell which, you know, wh- which mood you're in. And I'm assuming Rachel has had it flipped over to this frowny face for the last, like, f- five years. And, <laughs> and Minimum finally, the last three weeks. Because yeah. bank year end. Oh, my God. I got through bank year end. Yeah. Incredible. You, <laughs> you made it out alive. Rachel works. Again, if you didn't know, Rachel works for uh, a bank. And year end is ridiculous. And so she was able to get through it. So. Yeah, and this uh, this I can tell I can honestly tell you this has been the busiest week I've ever had working in the industry. Um, it has been insane, but uh, I'm really proud worth, of you. Thank you. Worthwhile work, uh, I'll say. You know, it, it work. You know, it doesn't feel like work when uh, when it's worthwhile and when you're telling important stories. So, but yeah, no, I just wanted to say like I know last week was a particularly difficult podcast and. You had some moments where, like, I could see it because we're on camera, but nobody else can, where you kind of, like, cracked up a little bit and and maybe, like, it, maybe you were kind of, like, in the middle of a sentence, but, like, I could see you just going down for the count. And I was like, I got to pick this up. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And, and I appreciated like, that. I could see, it. like, that the reporting that you were doing was really wearing on you. And you know what? I'm really proud of you for doing it because you're trying to find like your footing in this industry and you're not afraid to ask tough questions of the commissioner, tough questions of NHL owners. And the same can't be said for, for other people who have a very strong hold on this industry. And so just the, the pieces that you've written, the questions that you've asked and just how you kind of handled everything. I'm, I'm proud to say that you're, um, my friend and that we get to do this podcast together because it makes me, um, when I look at who you are as a human being, like, I know that you're a good person. Well, great. Thank you, Rachel. That's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. So thank you very much. Oh man. What a good friend you are. That's actually a great segue too, to, uh, speaking about the absolute embarrassing travesty that was Gary Bettman and Bill Daly's, uh, press conference on Monday. Um, Look, I've been involved in a good amount of press conferences, a good amount of, uh, you know, like uh, some Zooms, all that. That was one of the most embarrassing moments in league history. That was an absolute, that could not have gone worse for the NHL. Um, for for a lot of reasons. Uh, there was the complete ducking of um, any, like, blame to be put on the on the league itself. Um, there was the complete, like, sort of lack of empathy or sympathy, like, genuine empathy or sympathy, because I know they keep saying, oh, we're so sorry, and this it was horrifying, yada, yada, and yet all the actions and everything, and, and, and even the tone um, just didn't line up to that. And then, there, on top of all that, the reporter who broke this story, the reporter who has been at the absolute forefront of covering this story, and is the reason why... You know, we are we are talking about this and, you know, like like Kyle Beach felt, you know, comfortable enough to share, you know, to reveal his identity and share his story and everything is Rick Westhead. And the NHL deliberately tried to ice him out. 
I was part of that Zoom. There was abs- there is absolutely no world in which I should be allowed to ask a question in that conference before Rick Westhead was. And not only did I ask a question, there were multiple other reporters who asked a question and then also were given a follow-up question. For example, before Rick Westhead was, was able to ask his questions. For example, they went to Darren Dreger. He had technical difficulties. So they went away from him. And about 10 minutes later, they've circled back to Darren Dreger, who still had technical difficulties. And so they went away from him. And then about 20 minutes after that, then they finally, after 20 minutes and a plea from Pierre Lebrun at the start of his own follow-up question to get, uh, to, for them to allow so what I said to... The way uh, I understand it is they, everybody, like you're in the queue and you ask questions and other people can't see who else is in the queue, right? No, on normal, okay, yeah, so this is another thing I wanted to bring up. So on normal NHL Zooms, there is a, like, you can see the queue. Everyone can see the queue. Oh, okay. They put it there, so you know where you are, like, placed in line. Like, for example, when the, like, for the Jets thing, uh, you know, I I was, I had already asked the question, then I had another one that I really wanted to ask at the end, and Mark Shipman went on a, like, 20-minute diatribe about his competitiveness for some reason at the end of that. Um, and then it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, but then, and, and I could see that I was, I was next in line <laughs> and they, and it, so it's a bummer, but norm on every other NHL zoom I've been a part of NHL and team affiliated zoom I've been a part of that. You can see the queue on this one. This is the only one where I wasn't able to see the queue. So we all had to go under the assumption that maybe requested didn't want to ask any questions. Like, you know, I, I can't imagine why he didn't, but, you know, like, like that, the NHL is trying to hide behind that. Okay. So I, what I noticed was I didn't know about the Q thing. Cause like, oh, I don't take part in these press conferences. I just listen. Yeah. Um, I'm too busy typing code at the bank at this point. Um, and we leave people like you to ask the tough questions. Um, so if I understand it correctly. They went through and got everyone's original questions, but there were no opportunities for follow-up. And then they circled back to people who had follow-up questions and still didn't get to Rick. Is that correct? Yes. And it, and now it's reasonable to assume that given that Rick Westhead was the one who broke the story, that he would have had a question. So from an ethical perspective, just because I, I literally just sat through, it's like the beginning of the year calls at the bank. Like, mm-hmm. The most integral people to the like the topic that we're talking to get to talk first. So on that sort of ethical boundary, would it not have made sense to allow Katie Strang, Rick Westhead, Lazarus Powers, like those people, the first right to ask the questions? You would definitely think so. And here's okay. another thing too: is that at like the thing is 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 Rick is on it. Obviously, you knew it, but. You knew that. Like, he's, you know, <laughs> he incredible. on the ball. But I have proof because in yesterday's, in yesterday's conference, the second that we logged into that Zoom, he had already had his hand up. Like, they hadn't even started the, the like, welcome everyone, whatever. He'd already used the hand up function so he would be asked a question. And you know what? To their credit, they, he was allotted the first question. They went to him of the Zoom attendees. They, they did an in-person question first and they went to him. But I get it. Okay, fair. <laughs> the, I, I, yeah, understandable. But the NHL, also, they made, they made us turn our cameras on for this one. Um, so I had to scramble to, like, put a hat on or something. I didn't put a hat on, but I had to scramble. I was... Thankfully, it was two minutes before that I wasn't wearing a shirt, so I had to scramble to put a shirt on, which was cool. A little behind-the-scenes stuff there. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, it was deliberately – and you know that, this, that it, it, this is the case because then the PHWA released a statement the next day saying, like, even though Rick isn't a member of the PHWA because he's not, like you – know, He's not a hockey he's writer. Not, he's an investigative journalist. Exactly. But they still were like, hey – that was pretty messed up. And the thing is, too, is like that wasn't even the most embarrassing part of the press conference. It was Gary Bettman saying he had to learn more about, you know, about about whether or not he'd provide or before he'd, he'd provide um, uh, counseling to the vic- to the 16 year old victim who was who was, you know, assaulted by Brad Aldridge in high school, even though Brad Aldridge was convicted of that crime. Like exactly how much more research are you doing than beyond a shadow of a doubt? I need to know that. But he was convicted in a court of law. Like, what else do you need? <laughs> I think you touched on it without getting into the details, because we do want to yeah. have a little bit more. We of do want to talk about pause. hockey. We're going to talk about Jack Eichel later. And like, thank God, because that is yeah. more positive, relatively speaking. But one of the things Mike McKenna 
um, I, I was on the Daily Faceoff uh, podcast, and and Mike mm-hmm. McKenna really um, said something that resonated with me, and I think everybody should watch the clip. It's on Twitter, and this is a former NHL player, and he was a representative when he, he was in the AHL for the PHPA, which is like their equivalent of the NHLPA. Yeah. And he talked about how he's sick and tired of lawyer speak, how there needs to be empathy shown, that there's a lack of leadership, not just at the NHL level, but at the player level, because how is it that almost no players are speaking out about this except for the regular ones? And so there needs to be, he said, he's like, I'm frankly, I'm disappointed in the players because they're not even coming out and defending their fellow players. And so... I encourage everyone to listen to that because it's people like Mike who either are former players, current players, Robin Lehner, my God, Patrice Bergeron, bless his heart. Like it's people like that that are going to move the game forward. You look at what Brandon Carlo, who is the Bruins PA representative, um, said about needing to do better. You look at Wayne Simmons talking about losing faith in the PA. Like that's the kind of stuff we need. What we do don't need is lack of empathy lack of sympathy uh total emotional detachment like we don't need any of that and the other thing that really bothered me was Bettman saying that hockey culture doesn't doesn't encourage bad behavior and to which my response is yes we're here today having a press conference Presumably because we're talking about how fantastic hockey culture is and how there is nothing wrong with it. That is why we are having a press conference today. You know what I couldn't get out of? First of all, I could go the rest of my life without hearing any lawyer speak, let alone Gary Bettman speak. Like, it, like <laughs> the, lead, the lead in my story was if it wasn't clear that Gary Bettman was, is a lawyer, it should be a bu- – like, it, and he's a good lawyer. Let's, let's not, let's not, we're going to separate the two. Totally zero empathy, like lizard feelings. But mm-hmm. if I needed a lawyer, I'd go to Bettman because it is so clear that this guy is a fantastic lawyer. He's too good at his job. If I was a guilty person. Yes. And I needed a lawyer, I would go to Gary Bettman because he would get me out of it. But. Yeah, like, let's not take away that he is a fan. Like, he's good at his job. He just lacks any empathy at all. (laughs) Oh, and it was so clear. Like, he was, like, it it, it was like a Herculean effort for that guy to to show any sort of empathy. And and it showed whenever he was challenged on it. What what couldn't get out of my head during that press conference, during all the, you know, we're horrified for Kyle, this, that, or other, was the jovial state of the nation press conference um, that... Gary Bettman held right before the Stanley Cup final. Oh, God, you know, I have wiped that from my memory. Remember? I, no, we I have really, literally wiped yeah. it from my memory because I was like, I cannot believe that this is the response. So, like, I think at the end of the day, when it comes to how we look at this, I, I think there's no... You can feel any range of emotions I've gone back and forth from like anger to disappointment to frustration and it's it's ridiculous because we we're still talking about what happened in Chicago and that's like the same day we find out that Aaron Scaldi has launched a lawsuit against the Penguins, Clark Donatelli, and Bill Guerin for covering up sexual assault, and there was supposed to be a press conference about it that had to get pushed back because Scaldi's lawyers had to refile given that a second victim of Donatelli came forward. Yeah, so I've been pretty... I've been on this beat as well. um, And of course, Kel Surprise, Rick Westhead, is all over it. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's nuts. And the thing, too, is that Bill Daly provided the hockey news and specifically myself and Stephen Ellis with a with a statement that said um, that, you know, the NH when the the NHL is confident that the sa- that uh, that Garen didn't neglect any of his reporting duties and that the safe sport investigation will uh, reflect the same, which will then allow him to take over Stan Bowman's job, who was removed from his post uh, due to his mishandling of and cover up of a sexual assault 
case. So I think this one is a little bit of a different case, and I've read it through, is different. So it's de- I've, it, read I've read through it as well. Yeah. yeah so basically, the coach went through and he sexually assaulted Jared Scaldi's wife, Erin. Yes. And he was an assistant coach at the time. Uh, and then it was, I guess, reported. And as soon as the Penguins found out about it, they, they, fired, they him. fired him, which is the correct thing to do. Yes. Well done for literally stepping over the bar that was on the floor. That's exactly. fine. So at least that part properly handled. Scaldi goes to the police. I think it was like seven months later, but that's a separate matter. The Penguins fired Donatelli. But yeah. where this gets weird is that then Scaldi is alleging that he was then fired because of this, and the Penguins are trying to say it was because of COVID reductions. And I think that could get a little bit hairy, but it is worth mentioning that the Penguins did make the proper decision here but it's a question of was it reported to the NHL properly? And for that, I think from a safe sport and from a USA perspective, even if you think Garen is going to be cleared, because it was clear that like at a very minimum, it was handled much better than it was in Chicago. Yes. Right. But I think you, if you're USA hockey, you have to say, Hey, you are on administrative leave until this is done because like, we just cannot have this right now. I think that would be the best approach. And if Garen comes out that he did the right thing and he reported the right thing, then you can be the GM carry on. Let's go, go in a gold medal, whatever. But if it comes out that he is guilty of some wrongdoing, whatever that may be, then at least USA hockey can say, Hey, we put him on leave pending this investigation. We did the right thing. So what the yeah, so I read through the lawsuit and the official and the the official complaint and the summary of the complaint and all that uh, that was filed a while ago that hasn't been not even filed yet. And so where they where what they're doing with this is Bill, like, yes, like you said, the, the Penguins did the right thing in the moment in like within it was a period of seven days. So it was like okay, seven, uh, Jared, Jared Scaldi reported it to uh, Bill Guerin and and seven days later, Clark Donatelli did not work for the team anymore. So that's, Hey, congratulations. Round of applause, bare minimum. Apparently we have to <laughs> applaud that now. Congrats where the lawsuit really, where the law, where, where this becomes a, like a lawsuit essentially is that it was, it, it is alleged in the, in the lawsuit that um, after that, Bill Guerin told uh, Jared Scaldi not to tell anyone that this happened. Um, not to like, not to have like, essentially not to say that and that it would, you'd be punished if doing so was, was like more or less punished for bringing this up by he eventually, he, he slowly lost his power in his role. Like he was, he was given, like he was an assistant coach with the HL team. Okay. Right. And so yeah, usually, usually the assistant coach runs one of the special teams. Right. And so he was taken his, his duties to run the, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton, uh, Penguins power play were taken away. And then a couple months later, um, he was fired, uh, uh, like for what they say is COVID reasons. Also at the time, it's, they're also alleging that at the time there was like, there was no, uh, they, they made absolutely no mention of it. Like f- within the organization from there, uh, they had no counseling up. They didn't offer counseling for him for it. They didn't have any HR like presentations about it. They didn't do any, like, okay, so that's not good anything. enough. <laughs> so, but that's so that, and, and the thing is, is that reporting on the facts, the facts of the matter that have been proven in a court of law is that Bill Guerin handled this at least like from from the fact that this guy is gone he handled that in an appropriate way and he's been cleared in that where where the where it where this becomes now a matter of like where this becomes a legal Civil matter where it's yeah. where it's literally a he said she said thing here between uh, well he said he said thing here between Guerin because Guerin is denying no I never tried to cover it up I never told him not to tell anyone this that or ever and and whereas Jared Scaldi's like yes this is all thing that happened so that's what's gonna, really going to be debated in court here okay so, so it the, that is different the other thing you talk about like training and I I saw Dreger report that the NHL is going to do training for the players now on like sexual assault reporting and how to manage. Well, let's wait until someone else reports on that just to make to, sure it's accurate. Yeah. So no, no, no. I have also heard the same thing. Okay, good. Cause I'm not taking Dreger on his word there. Um, but what I will point out is when I was in the NHL, we had to do multiple trainings and None of them were the sexual misconduct training. We somehow got to bypass that, even though the rest of the organization had to do it. 
which mm-hmm. is super interesting. Um, Very interesting. And then the one, the literal one HR training we had to do, they segregated us away from the rest of the entire organization. So like other organizations, it was like, oh, sign up here, sign up there. Hockey operations, all of you are doing it at this time on this day. And so they like put us all together and it was only us in the room and they started talking about like various things and I'm not going to name names, but somebody put their hand up and said, I don't Uh understand why we have to go through this training. We are different than everyone else. We go through things that are different than everyone else and we're more of a family. So we deal with things in house and we don't really like HR doesn't really apply to us. And I was like, oh, okay then. And I'm like, you are absolutely off the path here that is insane yeah so then i was like okay that was pretty alarming hr doesn't apply to us hr that was a real thing that was hr does not (laughs) apply to us get out of here "Um, man that seems not good like i i know why now but like like based on my experiences i can't speak for chicago i know why hr basically doesn't apply but like uh that's alarming. My goodness. That is yeah. disheartening. And, and to I hear. also know, like, in speaking to my colleagues in other organizations, there are some organizations where, like, the hockey office people do not have to go through training at all. Like, at all. We at least had one that we had to do. And it wasn't even like we had to write a test after. It was like, thank you for coming. Here's your coffee and donuts, and off you go. Like, I'm not even kidding you. It was literally ridiculous. I was like, okay, not only was this. Like, it's supposed to be a participatory kind of thing. You know what I mean? Really, like, mm-hmm. kind of a workshop. There was none of that happening. And so I was kind of like, okay. I don't know if it's changed, but I'm hoping it does. And I'm hoping it gets taken a lot more seriously. Because if people are that cavalier about it, it's no wonder that these things go unreported and get swept under the, the rug. I know I should not um be surprised by anything anymore but just to hear that like that was an actual thing that someone in a hockey ops position said hr doesn't apply to us <laughs> like that just show, like like what do you expect to happen for, like like how could you be shocked that something like what we just witnessed you know through all this would happen when that's the mentality from people and like you said like confident enough to say that out loud <laughs> like I remember like, telling, I'm, so like my mom's really close friend is a very high profile lawyer in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I remember texting her and being like, what do you think of this? And she's like, ah, oh, that's absolutely not the case. They do like in a court of law, they do fall under HR regulations, whether they want to believe that or not. And I was like, okay, just checking. My God. I have to like take a second to even recite my own phone number when asked in public because I'm like not confident that I actually know it. And you know, and this guy was just like cavalier enough to be around people to be like, what do we have to do this kind of training? Like we don't, we're a family. This isn't a play. That's insane. Insane. But Rachel, can we talk about enough like time? Hockey? Yes. Let's talk about the sport uh, that we claim to love. I was going to um, say that we don't like right now <laughs> that I was going to say, I was about to say this what we love that I'm like, well, that's not true. So we're going to, all right. The coyotes are really bad. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all in one commerce platform to start run and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me, the resources that were once reserved for big business, and it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo! Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. 
You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. Um, Yo, they are so bad. Like, we knew it was going to be bad, but we oh. were not expecting it to be this bad. They're 0-9-2. They have scored 13 total goals through 11 games. And now, according to uh, Craig Morgan today, um, Connor Timmons will miss the rest of the year. I, oh, that, see, that part hurts me because Connor Timmons has missed so much time because of concussions. And he was Mm -hmm. starting to, like, really come into his own and look really, really good. And he gets taken out. I believe it was a dirty play, too, that he got taken out on. Was it? Yeah, I can't remember, but I... I remember it coming across my phone because Connor Timmons was someone that like when I was coaching in Sudbury, we played because he was playing in the Sioux and like consistently when this guy was on the ice, like don't even bother scoring because you're, it's just not happening. Like he was just, he was dominant. And so, um, I was really looking forward to his NHL career and it seems like it's been really derailed by injuries and that's super unfortunate. Um, <laughs> if you'd like a laugh, I would love a laugh. Okay. So, I believe it was like the first, no, it was the first time Arizona played Buffalo. It was like the second game of the season, which like, okay. good this God. Year? Yeah. Yeah. Like, who, I, and I somehow watched that because I decided that was a good use of my time. Oh yeah. That was one of the, that, oh, yeah, I remember that yeah. where you were like, yo, guess what I'm doing right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, watching. what? And you're like, I'm watching Arizona and Buffalo. I'm like, why? So why I are look you at doing the that? starting lineup and I kid you not. Arizona has a goalie that I have never heard of, and I mm-hmm. thought his name was Veggie Milk. Well, it's because obviously like when you- his name is not Veggie Milk; it's Kirill Vamelka. But like, I mean, how down bad are you that like m- there are multiple nights I have looked at the Arizona roster and been like, "Who is that guy?" That is Mark Donk. There is a like I. Like, like I saw the the lineup, I think, for their game either last night or tonight. Um, so this is with Timmons out. And their top pairing right shot defenseman is a guy with the last name Mayo. Dyson Mayo. Yeah, his name I is have, Vacuum Cleaner Condiment. Yeah, it could be va- Vacuum Hellman's. Or, you know, like <laughs> vacuum it's... Hellman's. Like it doesn't... It, it literally... I, I had never heard of this person before. Never in my life. Like Dyson Mayo... No, and 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 he's top pair right shot. And the best part about this entire thing is I had so I think Jacob Chikrin is a really good defenseman. Oh, I had him as my top regression candidate for this year because he had like twenty goals last year. I was like, there is no way he's getting twenty goals, and people jumped all over me for it. The man has zero points in eleven games, and it isn't because of him. It's because of like they have scored eleven goals, guys. Thir- 13 Rachel actually oh sorry they're at I know that really me, changes your argument 1.02 goals per game that really changes your argument and I felt like the listeners needed to know yes okay yeah so they but kudos like Arizona is actively doing a good job at tanking because they have like a oh, billion yeah. draft picks even though they had to forfeit some they still have nine billion draft picks like, they have, like, six draft picks in the second round this year and three in the first round, and it is a good draft. Like, it's, it's a fantastic draft. and they are, like, Next year they is have, the disgusting draft, but, like, this year is, is really, really good. I mean, don't they, have, don't they have three firsts this year? And, like, and then I think, in 20, I think in 2023 they have, like, five second round picks. No, they have five seconds this year, and I believe it's, like, okay. three seconds next year but next year's draft I, like we could get a crosby ovechkin type of situation from it yeah because it's shane Wright and no uh, no no. next year is connor bedard and matvey mitchkov 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad Bay Mitchkoff, by the way, just, I believe, broke Alexander Ovechkin's KHL record as a junior. Damn, dude. I, it was something like that. And, and Nikita Kucherov, and basically he's being compared to Nikita Kucherov. So, like, that seems good. Jeez. It's just nuts, man. It, it, holy smokes. So it'll be worth it for Arizona, but, like, how do but, you even play? Like, normally, <laughs> like, like normally tanking, like, in big markets can work because, like, there's going to be a crowd no matter what, and, like, they're not going to hurt really. Like, for example, like, when the Leafs tanked, like, they didn't matter. Like, they, like, they were still able to, to, you know, 80, 90% capacity. Like, they're still making, like, and people would still just turn on Leafs games, like, as casual fans, didn't really know what the team was doing, all that. In Arizona, like, you mentioned that Jacob Chikrin had, like, 20 goals last year, and, and like, I, I had to be reminded, like, whole, like no one... No one talked about Jacob Chikrin's season last year, like on a national level, like like some some people might. But, you know, no one really talked about. Yeah. And I think he because he plays in the desert, he doesn't get a lot of love, but he is a good defenseman. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, Should we? uh, Oh, Cole Caulfield. Also, Um, I'll let you run that down. Yeah. Um, because I literally just saw it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So the only reason why I'm re- why we really bring this up is because, uh, yeah, Cole Caulfield was assigned to the AHL. Um, and it's funny because I believe he was like a plus 400 for the Calder this year, something like that. Like he was it, it, like he, his odds. He was he one was of the, the betting favorite. Yeah, he was the betting favorite for the Calder. People were calling him goal, goal Caulfield, you know, all this yada yada. And yet here he is in the AHL. Um, the only reason I bring this up is because a, it is, I think good for his development. He needs to get his touches back. You know, this is a terrible Montreal Canadiens team. So you at least kind of want to take him away from that. But second, it's objectively hilarious. Like it is objectively very, very funny that this is happening just because of how much like the, the Grant McCags of the world pumped his tires and we're like 40 goals, money in the bank this year. Let's go goal Caulfield. It's, it's goal Caulfield season. So and now he's I'm really Laval. glad that I've got you on the development train now, because clearly all of the development talk I've been talking to you about related to my thesis has been drilled oh, yeah. into your brain. <laughs> It, it, like yeah. you've just subliminal messaged me into it. Like I'm a sleeper agent um, for development stuff. So Cole now. Caulfield is a small, and he's a small. He's very small. And we saw this with Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, we saw this with Mitch Marner, who is bigger than Cole Caulfield and was a higher draft pick. The point here is Cole Caulfield was too good for the NCAA. That much was very clear. But he came in, had a really good playoff run, and that usually happens. So when young players come in the league, there's no tape on them. There's no... Guys don't know what their tendencies are. Like, they don't really know how to defend them. It's a wild card. It really is a wild card, which is how you see goalies randomly come in the league and, like, do ridiculous things. Like It's how quarterbacks and the rookie quarterbacks have really good years and then regress like crazy because the book goes... Uh, Robert Griffin III, for example, is a big one on that. Yeah, so with Cole Caulfield, obviously he played a prominent role in the playoffs for Montreal, and now there's a book on him, and we see this kind of sophomore slump. It's a phase in hockey. And so when you have somebody like Cole Caulfield and you just lost Kotkaniemi because you didn't handle his development properly, I actually think the Canadians made a really good decision here. They said, okay, we're going to start you in the NHL because you showed last year that that you could play at this level. And then he's obviously not been very good. Neither has the rest of his team. His team has been a dog pile. But they made a really good decision. We're going to send you to the AHL while you're still eligible. You're going to go. He's going to play top line, top PP, leading, trailing, all of it. He's going to play in every situation. He might play close to 18, 19 minutes a night. Um, And he's going to be able to get his confidence back, get his scoring touch back. Like you could see in how he was shooting the puck that it didn't have quite the same zip. And that has nothing to do with a book being out on him. That is all confidence. And so I really think the Habs made a good decision. Now, what they have to do is they need to leave him down there for at least two weeks. Unless, even if there's an injury, leave him there. 
because his development long term is more important than your stupid ass lost season. You're like three and eight. You're like, you're not going anywhere. Cole Caulfield could play in the AHL until January if he needed to. Because it doesn't matter, but I really, like, the Habs cannot go up, down, up, down. This cannot be a yo-yo. They've sent him down. It's a good decision. They need to leave him there for at least two weeks. He needs to be scoring at least a point a game in the AHL and probably close to .6 goals per game before you bring him up, and he's rocking. Like, Cole Caulfield last year looked he didn't play very many games in the, in the HL, but the ones that he did, he looked too good for that league. And that's why he was brought up. He needs to do that again. And I was like, I'm actually very surprised that the, that the Canadians made such a prudent decision. Like usually it's like, uh, usually they would just kind of, you know, have them fight through it and like ruin them. They do, they do like an, a Galchenyuk where they, they like, you know, just essentially nuke his confidence and all that. Whereas, I want to pull up my research, but I believe the Canadians, I know they're dead last, in my research, but I, if I'm not, if it's not zero, it's one, is the amount of draft picks, first round draft picks that they have drafted in my sample data that have made the NHL for their team and played in a meaningful way. Zero. I believe last night, um, <laughs> they had three, they had three players who were drafted under Mark Bergevin, um, in their lineup last night. And Pez, the, it, which I congratulations Gall- to Michael Pizzetta for playing his first NHL game. I'm yeah, really Pizzetta, I think Gallagher was a was another one. And then there was one other. I can't remember specifically. And this they were that which is dead last. The second is Seattle, <laughs> which doesn't even count. It, so it's it's just it's insane. They they their inability to produce like homegrown talent is is nuts. Like they just like they can't they can't do it. So off the top of my head, they drafted Ryan McDonough in the first round and then proceeded He's to gone. trade him for Scott Gomez. Ryan McDonough is a really Subban? good hockey player. PK Subban He's was gone. in the second round, so he yes. doesn't count. Oh oh, we're doing first round picks. Yeah, my bad. it's okay. first round picks. They have zero, I believe, that have played meaningful games for them. Galchenyuk gone. Gone. Um, Louis LeBlanc. Louis LeBlanc gone. never, I believe he's not even playing hockey anymore. Jared Tenorti. Tenorti, gone. Gone. He's busted for PEDs and then gone. Um, Michael McCarron, not a thing. Gone. gone. Like He's in He's in Nashville. And do you want to know what the biggest tra- uh, trend in all of these dudes is? Big. Big man skate cannot score. Yep. So not only is their drafting bad, their development is piss poor. It is last. They turned... They turned McCarron like I I I watched far too much Bel- um not Belleville uh, also Belleville but Laval Rocket hockey um for three years when I was on the Marlies beat I watched far too much of Michael McCarron they turned him into a goon like that was the only that was the only value he gave to uh, like th- that lineup and was he came from London he came from the junior hockey factory and you managed to screw it up. Yeah, and I also remember too that they 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 regarded him so highly in 2017, I believe it was, um, that when they had the the ability to to acquire Matt Duchesne from the Colorado Avalanche, um, when that whole saga was going on, uh, McCarron was an untouchable. That turned out well. I I remember that report, and now he's like a fourth in AHL, like fourth liner who sometimes gets a press box seat in Nashville. Like it's. It's insane. Like Montreal cannot do it, but yeah. So, so Cole Caulfield being in the AHL objectively hilarious to me, just because of fans. Um, but also, I have to I have to stick it out for my short kings, my fellow short kings. Um, he's going to be a same, fantastic hockey player. Exactly. Well, he's going to be a fantastic player if they don't yo-yo him. Because yeah. what have we talked about this whole this whole podcast? The worst thing you can do to a prospect is yo-yo them. And so they need. So they send down the AHL. That's great. That's part one complete. Leave them there. Let him dominate. Let him get his confidence back. Let him become, let him, let him get his William BDE. Nylander at the AHL level. Exactly. Let it become like unfair. And then you, and then you bring it up. Let him become the, you know, pass it to the Italians guy who like, you know, just scores all the time. Let him do he that. He needs to be uh, Adam Banks. Yes. Yes. That's a great, yes. He needs to be Adam Should Banks. We, uh, exactly. All right. Plot, plot points. points. 
Trending up was trending down. Trending up is Aaron Rodgers being a dumbass. So this is not a hockey related thing, but again, we don't have to always do hockey here. And I wanted to bring this up because I'm not sure if you saw this today, Rachel. Oh, I did because Rachel did? Okay. had, why am I talking in what third did, person? What did Rachel, let's just do third person pod. Let's go. What, what did Rachel person, have to do? Mike I wants to know. <laughs> had KC and I picked them as the underdog money line to win. And I got in early because I was like, this line oh. is crazy right now. They're the underdog. You're going to make some money, my friend. And I was like, okay, I get that the fact that like they're the dog, but like then, uh, so the line originally, no, the line was Green Bay plus two. So Green Bay was a dog. And I was like, that makes no sense. So I waited. Then it obviously flipped. And then KC was the dog. So I have KC at plus 120 on the (laughs) money line. And today they were like, Well, you know what? To be fair, with how terrible Kansas City has played, they might still just they be the underdog lose. anyway. Um, but okay, like, so I saw a couple things on this. What did you see on it? I saw that apparently he got he came to Canada and got the AstraZeneca vaccine, which oh, did isn't recognized in the NFL. But then I talked to someone and I learned that that wasn't possible because he doesn't fit the age bracket. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that's possible because... Um, well, what what is now reported is that he actually he so he was asked point blank like, are you vaccinated? And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm immunized, immunized. or whatever, immunized or immunized, whatever you want to call it. So like he didn't he said yeah to preface that, but then he also was just like he didn't say like yes, I'm vaccinated. So he tried to like skirt around it. It's a yes and, or no question. And so here's exactly. And so here's the here's the thing because this this just goes this just goes to show the delusion here is that he got homeopathic treatment. Bruh. From his, like, doctor or whatever to, like, I don't know, raise his B2, B12 levels or something. Homeopathic and then, treatment is for when you have a stomach ache, not for when you need to be inoculated. And then he went <laughs> to the NFL and asked them to review that so it could be classified as a vaccine, as being vaccinated, which they said no. Obviously. Obviously. What? And apparently he's been going or he's he hasn't been following those protocols. And so it's... I want to launch myself into the sun listening to, like... Aaron Rodgers was always skating on thin ice with me because he's such a freaking, like, he's being such a diva and just seems to get really pissed at his team despite them being pretty good year after year. Um, and him also being good and them putting him in a position to be good year after year. Um, and now this has completely broken the well for me on my sympathy. Like I'm done. Like Aaron Rodgers is like, I was always like, is Aaron Rodgers kind of a dick? Well, he's good. And like, it's all football, whatever. Now this, I'm just like Aaron Rodgers certified dick. What do we say about athletes? They're probably very good at their sport and they're also probably not great people. What I learned from working um, like like re- like customer service jobs and retail jobs growing up, specifically, you know, working at this auto shop slash gas station when I was a teenager, was that the average person is extremely dumb. <laughs> and, That's very kind. And 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 Aaron Rodgers is not the average person, but he falls into you know the rest of the world, and and he he tends to be even dumber now than the average person. Right, because, because they're. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So. It's interesting that you bring that up. The average person has a high school education. That Even that surprises me. But and yes, like, that's true. Okay. And now we're getting to the point where if you want to have a, a job, you basically have to have an undergraduate degree. There mm-hmm. are almost no NFL players with more than two years of and like of college. And even when they were in college, we're going to call a spade a spade here and say they were taking like... Swahili class and basket weaving and paper classes basically is what they're called. Unless you're like Laurent Duvernay Tardif and when you're an actual doctor. It's funny like, this happens because a doctor got traded yesterday. <laughs> which is hilarious. But like you know what? Aaron Rodgers is in the 100th percentile for football smarts. It's, He's at the, wh- he is like him and Tom Brady are like the, the 100 of the 100 that there ever is. But in terms of like common sense, he's probably like in the eighth percentile compared to the rest of the world. It's it's hilarious. It's it's genuinely hilarious. All right. I, I'm yeah. Incredible. All right. Moving on. The next plot point. Times Mike trending up. Times Mike almost got run over by a World Series champion. So. 
do tell. Rachel doesn't know what this is about, <laughs> so I'll, I'll make this quick. But I just want to say, so congratulations to uh, the Atlanta Braves for winning the um, World Series. Stop doing yesterday. the chop. It's racist. 100% stop doing the chop. Potentially change your name. But, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, um, literally. Actually, uh, I believe it's Bar Down or TSN's uh, Jordan Cicelli, um, like said they should start doing the dab instead because although it, it would be hip and fun with the youths, um, also it was invented by Migos and Migos is from Atlanta. So they should just start doing the dab at the games instead of the chop. Okay, I like that. And two, the other thing I saw was Donald was at oh, the Jesus Braves Christ. game and he was doing the chop and the single best comment on the entire Twitter thread was the only reason he's doing this is because he probably thinks it's a Nazi salute. Yeah, it, he and was, I yeah. laughed and it was like, there is a fair chance that that is what he thinks it is. There, yeah, there, like there, that could, there's a, there's a realm of possibility where that could be it. Like you can't rule that out, but anyways, so just don't GM, be racist. It's not hard. Exactly. But the GM of the Atlanta Braves is uh, Alex Anthopoulos, who used to be the GM of the Toronto Blue Jays for many years. Um, And so I believe he I believe he was the GM in starting like 2010 around that time or 2009, something like that. He was the GM responsible for the 2015 and 16 runs. Like he left after 15, but he that the team that essentially carried over was his. Now, at that time, I was in middle school. So I was in grade seven, I believe, um, when like right when he started. And so he would live in a neighborhood that I had to cut through to get to the uh, to get to the the subway to go downtown um, to go to my middle school. And I remember I was walking one week. I didn't know this. I didn't know it was his neighborhood at the time, but I learned because I was walking to school and, you know, took a step on the road. It was early morning. and I almost got run over by Alex Anthopoulos in his car. That's incredible. <laughs> And he was so sorry. Like, he was really apologetic. Like, this is, he didn't intentionally try and run, run down a 12 year old. Like, uh, let me just put he that just out there. He started mowing him down. Like, bum, 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 but I, exactly. But I do remember as a kid who religiously, you know, like, was a, was a gigantic, you know, diehard Jays fan and read the sports section. Like, I obviously knew what he looked like. And so, shock, my surprise when I'm walking to school and a car almost hits me and I look at who's behind the, the wheel and it's friggin' Alex Anthopoulos. Um, so, Alex, I forgive you. And congratulations. Uh, it was quite the run you had. All right. Trending down. And the last, our last pop point is the number of players the Leafs can put on waivers without getting claimed. This is, this is just comical at this point. It is, I mean, Rachel, like. <laughs> I think it's so funny because we see people yelling and screaming, the Leafs have no forward depth, the Leafs have no, and yet every single time a Leafs forward goes on waivers, they get picked up, which clearly it's means hilarious. that the Leafs forwards have value around the leagues because I don't know if people know this or not. GMs do not add to their contract numbers and salary cap just to spite other GMs. That is not how it works. It's it. What's so funny, too, is so like so this ha- so he was placed on waivers on Friday and I was at Leafs morning skate on Saturday and I was just chatting with uh David Alter, Luke Fox, and and uh, Mark Masters. We were just like we were just you know shooting the breeze, if you will, chopping it up together. Just just guys being dudes, yeah. you know, all that. The boys. And, uh, but we were talking exactly, <laughs> and, we, and we were uh, and we were talking about like about Amadio being on waivers and like you know losing Brooks and all that kind of stuff, and whether or not like Hutchinson would have to be sent down. And like the the like the main hard hitting consensus throughout all of those was there's no way Amadio gets claimed. Like how are we going to go to like because it was, it's it's Michael Amadio right? And like it was so funny because we spent about 20 minutes we were waiting for Rasmus Sandin to stop skating so we could talk to him. And and this and the whole the whole crux of our conversation was Amadio's not getting claimed. Like when he passes through and literally like left the rink at about. 1.30, got home at 2, checked my phone, L.A. Freeman, Vegas claims some audio. And it's, you can't even sneak this guy through waivers. Well, it's it's not insane. even that. Like, I, I genuinely do think that had any borderline NHL forward been on waivers, Vegas would have claimed them because yes. the roster that they put out against Toronto on Tuesday night. They had Dom LeCision making his NHL yeah, debut. Did you Dom see it? Dom LeCision's <laughs> cousin was playing. And, like, a few other dudes. And, like, it actually looked like an expansion team. So, I think given the circumstances, had any team put any competent NHL 
forward on waivers, they would have been claimed. It just happened to have been Toronto. Um, Adam Brooks is Adam Brooks. I don't think we're even going to have a discussion on who's better, Adam Brooks or Jason Spezza. It doesn't matter. I don't like, have it. Oh, and, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to compare I them with the Mario. I'm like, I don't have it in enough. If you are worried and getting yourself in a tilly about who is and isn't claimed on waivers, you need a hobby. Yes. It is one thing to tweet, he was claimed on waivers. It is entirely another thing to be like, ha ha ha, and like, look how many people, and look at the points, and look at this, and look at that. Like, get a hobby. Please, I'm begging you, it's not that serious. It's not that important. If he's on waivers, he's clearly not a consequential player to begin with. Yeah. Now, Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I thank you for having your TED talk, Rachel. Appreciate it. Um, but it's uh, like I, I do think it is it is not great that the Leafs went into training camp with Amadio and Brooks, put Brooks on waivers to keep Amadio, then then we're kind of forced to waive Amadio and also lost him too. Like I think that's not like in terms of asset management, not great. But at the end of the day, do you not want to know what's also not great? What protecting Justin Hall so that you could expose Kerfoot and McCann? Oh my God, Rachel. That is the crux of all of this, because had the Leafs just protected McCann and Kerfoot, one, they'd be a lot better, and two, nobody would fucking care about what happened to Michael Amadio and Adam Brooks, who probably wouldn't have been signed in the first place in Amadio's case, because you'd have Jared McCann and Alex Kerfoot, and... Not a guy currently sitting in the press box. And also, like, Timothy Lilgren has emerged. Like, he is here. He is Yo, in, he looks he good. He looks very good. I, okay, this is my moment to you be. You called that, this, and I totally agreed you. with you because all of my numbers pointed directly at this happening. This is my moment to shine, okay, for one second. Because for years, Rachel, for years, I have said, don't give up on this guy. He's old, he's way younger than you think he is. He just looks like a 40-year-old man, but he's actually like 21. Relax. I, I watched... He's barely allowed to drink in the United exactly. States. I watched his first ever game on North American Ice. I covered it at the rookie tournament. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen a defenseman play. And I watched him improve and get better and better and better working the Marley's beat for the years. And anytime someone was like, why has Lillard not made the jump? And I, have to, I had to remind people, he's 21 years old. Just because he's been in the organization for a long time and been in North America for a long time because he made the jump when he was 18 doesn't mean that he's like a bust. It's, it's tricking your brain to thinking he's older than he is. And also, not to mention, he's been really good. I, 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 I'm not going to get into the numbers because I don't have them sitting in front of me right now. Mike Babcock, who was the coach at for the majority of this, yeah. has a history of not playing young defensemen because he believes it ruins their development and in that he is absolutely correct look at Detroit right now they told Mo Sider he was not playing in the NHL last year in the COVID shortened season because they didn't believe it was good for his development he is nearly a point a game he's killing it right now in a as a rookie he is nearly a point a game when it comes to defensemen you have to let them marinate i believe timothy lilligren is 22 years old yes he is a right-handed defenseman who was known for his offense and had an extremely steep development curve to now be fantastic defensively he needs to be given the chance here because now it's Sheldon Keefe who had him at the Calder Cup run, who, and I think honestly, rightfully so, he wasn't played last year in in that run because it's a COVID-shortened season. Everything's kind of wonky, and that's not really good for development. Let him play this year with some stability because at the end of the day, if you are trying to decide who you're going to invest your time in, it's not going to be the 29-year-old. It's going to be the 22-year-old. What also really surprised me about him, too, is that, like, this is a guy who came in with the billing as, like, you know, Eric Carlson-esque. Like, he's going to be a you know, offensive guy. And, 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 and the thing is, is that his offensive game is the thing that needs the most work. He's, he's more defensive, like, his defense is his calling card now, and his ability to make insane stretch passes. But, like, his offensive game is the thing that needs to come along. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I know we got on a bit of a tangent, but holy smokes, that, that decision to protect, protect Hall over McCann and uh, just kill me. All right, 
It's happened. We're not going to really deep dive yeah. into Eichel, but like we're going to talk. We'll about just talk it. a little bit about Eichel. So, Jack Eichel, we've been hearing stops and starts. You know, it, it's been reported like five times in the last week that oh, the wheels are really turning on a Jack Eichel trade now. The burn the the burners on the hot stove have been turned up to maximum, and then nothing. And then, oh, they're back on in Anaheim and Calgary. And then or Anaheim and Vegas. And then nothing. And so wh- what's going on here, Rachel? What's happening? So it's interesting. And I'm allowed to share this story Ooh. because it didn't happen over the course of my employment. Okay. The uh, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson trade. Okay. Uh, was famously. The one, one for, for one. one. Yes. Uh, and the Vatanen trade, which happened just before I got there. Uh, so a lot of times, and Ray is actually known as a guy that makes really shrewd trades. And if I look at his record, that's correct. So one of the things he told me about trading or making deals is that there are points, he compared it to the stock market. There's ups and there's downs in that there are points of heat and points of lull. So it's like, you could change something in one second. Hey, I'm willing to add this prospect in the deal. Okay, well, now things are really close because maybe we've got something here. But then you hit another snag, and so then they hit a lull. Everyone leaves and goes and thinks about it. And then it's like, oh, what about this? And then pew, we're ready to go again. And then off we go. And this, the Taylor Hall deal did not start out as one for one. It started out as other things. I did not know that. Yes, yeah, I it did imagined. not start out as one for one. The Sammy Votnin deal also did not start out the way that it did. It didn't even include some of the players that were originally involved. And so when you have a trade, and those trades were far less complicated than what's going on with Eichel, the reason that things heat up and then they cool down and they heat up and they cool down is because anytime something heats up, it's because some side has like given a little bit. And so then you obviously get a lot closer, right? So, like, let's say um, you're, you're looking at Eichel, right? And Buffalo's ask is, uh, now it's, Buffalo's original ask is, like, two lineup players, a prospect, and two firsts. So, five pieces. Yeah. Concrete. And everyone's like, what the hell? So, then it's in a lull. But then, Buffalo says, actually, we're willing to accept conditional first. Well, then teams go, well, wait a minute. And then we're right back at the you're top right. with our stock market, right? And then they're like, yeah, but we still want this really, really good prospect. Well, no, you can't have him. And then talks fall apart. Okay. Talks fall apart. Okay, but what about this prospect? Okay, yeah, we like that prospect. Da-da-da-da-da. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And so that's kind of where we're at. Emily Kaplan reported, and I want to credit her because I think she's done some fantastic work, that Vegas and Calgary are what seem to be the finalists. I, from what I know, still have Anaheim in there mm-hmm. because I think they are most equipped to make this deal happen. Yes. If the Jack Eichel trade happens, I wouldn't be surprised from a Calgary perspective if it includes Johnny Goudreau. I would be. I would be shocked if it didn't at this point, to be honest. I don't think that they're going to be trading Elias Lindholm anymore. Yep. Um, and if you can move Elias Lindholm to 2C, then you have Eichel at 1C next year, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the other key thing is it would seem as though both Vegas and Calgary are willing to let Eichel have the ADR. I think every, like, I think what has been reported that every team that's involved in him is willing to let him have his preferred surgery. Which, I mean, I mean, yeah, fantastic. Because he's got a no, but doesn't he have yeah, a no like, trade clause? Um, or does it not kick in to a certain point? I don't think it kicks in. Okay. So he could go anywhere. No, you cannot have a no trade clause unless you're a UFA, and he's not a UFA yet. So like True. Matthews, Marner, like any anyone who's not a UFA but is signed to a contract that goes into UFA, none of your movement clauses or trade clauses kick in until you're an actual UFA. Yeah, okay. So he doesn't, so he doesn't have that. So he could go anywhere. But I, I would think that like... You would have to, like, if you're... You're not going to give up that amount of assets. Just to if, get to another stalemate. Like, they have to know that, like, yeah, to get... Yeah, like, this is yeah. ridiculous. So, I think, um, I think he's actually probably the best fit in Anaheim. 
Um, I think the second best fit is Vegas because they're clearly in their contending window and a line of Pacioretty, Stone, Eichel would be disgusting. And they need a center de- so Post-haste. so desperately. <laughs> Post-haste. But Buffalo is said to want Peyton Krebs in that deal and I am a Peyton Krebs truther. Mm-hmm. I would be giving up Nick Hag before I gave up. Peyton Krebs. And I think Nick Hag is fantastic. Peyton Krebs is in their top six right now, I believe. Peyton Krebs is ridiculously underrated. Yeah. Like, I talk to people who have no idea who he is, and I'm like, what? I don't think they want to give up Peyton Krebs. I think that's what I've heard. Legit fantastic. Right? And so if you're in win-now mode, we talk about... Remember when we talked about if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you need to have players on their ALCs who perform. Kind of like... Kind of like... You see teams um, like Robert Thomas did for St. Louis. Even like even like Getzlav and Perry did for Anaheim. And like Anthony Sorelli. Yeah, Anthony <laughs> Anthony Sorelli, guys like that. You need... Ross Colton, Mikhail Sergachev, like those guys, right? Yeah. I think Peyton Krebs and Nick Hag could be those guys for Vegas. The problem is I think they're going to have to give up one of the two of them in a trade um, for Jack Eichel. And do you do that because you're off to a rough start and maybe this isn't the year and you know you're going to have everybody healthy next year, including Eichel? I think maybe you look at that because LOL if you can get a draft pick too. Yeah. Right? So it's one of those things where I could really see a fit in Vegas. I just think Anaheim has the most of what Buffalo probably wants. Like, but you could trade them... Ricard Raquel could go the other way, right? He's a pending UFA, but that is a player you put in your lineup now, mm-hmm. right? But then Anaheim's prospect pool is hilarious. You could di- you could take like two of, two like top line prospects out of there and still have depth. You can withstand paying the price. And to me, like I I would the only prospect that would be a non zero like non starter for me is Drysdale. Yeah. Like, you, Trevor Zegers we could have a conversation about because we're getting Eichel back in the trade. Mm-hmm. Right? Jamie Drysdale is a complete non-starter for me. You can have Hampus Lindholm. You can have Cam Fowler. I don't know what their trade situations are. You will not be getting Jamie Drysdale under any circumstances. Like that's an instant hang-up if you mention that name. You're like, nope. Oh, yeah, that's a click. click. Done. Yeah. It'll be because I, I, Jamie Drysdale is, I, I think, going to be one of the premier defensemen in the NHL. Like, I don't think he's going to quite be Makar Fox, but I think he's going to be like McAvoy level. Well, Rachel, we've never seen Anaheim develop defensemen before. So, I mean, it's clearly ever. It's they, they don't have the best, uh, drafting and development record in the past 15 years of defense. No, not at all. They don't. They don't. So I, I, be, I think this analysis from you is just coming out of nowhere. I don't know where this is coming Hashtag from. Hashtag analysis. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Give us, give me one final prediction before we, we head out here. Uh, where do you think he's going? Not, not where you think he'd be, he'd fit best ever. Where do you think in your heart of hearts that he's going to go? Whether it makes sense or not. Calgary. Really? That'd be kind of a bummer. Like, Calgary's such a boring, like, team. (laughs) And the reason I think it's Calgary is because they're under enormous pressure from ownership. True. And the other, like, the only reason I hesitate on Calgary is because he and Daryl Sutter do not fit well. Yeah, that would be, that would be a little tough. But in, in the order, it's, it's Calgary and then, like, we're talking a photo finish Vegas. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, we'll... Even though I think Anaheim has the most pieces to get it done, and that's probably where they'd actually get the best trade from, uh, I think it's... it's I, I lean Calgary, but it's basically like 51%, 49% kind of thing. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Either way, top line center on either team. 100%. Well, we'll have to wait and see. All right, Rachel, we've reached the logical end of the podcast. 
can follow uh, Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory. Me on Twitter, Mikey Stevens81. The podcast on Twitter at Staff Graph. Uh, buy our merch at Redbubble, redbubble.com slash Staff and Graph Shop. Uh, the podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Um, you know, any pod... Any podcatcher under the exactly. sun. Exactly. Any podcatcher under the sun. Um, write us a nice review. Uh, if it's mean, at least make it entertaining enough for us to laugh at. And, Rachel, before we head out... Would you like to leave our lovely listeners with uh, any words of wisdom? Can't believe I still have to say this, but wear a mask, get vaccinated, and be kind to each other. We're looking at you, Aaron Rodgers. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>